Carmen, by the way, just so that you know, I've been over two years just this habitat. All right, so Brother Joe, let's get started, shall we? Let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Are we ready? So, how many of you have ever thought about it in your life, if you could just go back and repeat something over again and make the change? How many of you have ever watched movies to where that's been the, uh, the overall force? You know, where they, uh, I remember one that was called Mr. Destiny or something like that, to where this guy swung and missed at, you know, where if he'd hit a home run, they would have won the game and it would have been changed his life forever. And I thought, you know, why can't I go back? And the re answer is very simple, really. Uh, God doesn't allow it. If he made one person go back and, and change the perspective, it would cause everyone to want to do the same over and again. And if God did it for one, he would have to do it for all. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we get something that I want us to reflect upon where we can't change the past. That's, in fact, the title that I have put into place today. Now, one of the nice things about when you read the Bible through, uh, you are going to come across many things that you don't normally come across with. Um, you know, the reality is, is that with Hezekiah, he, uh, he did right in the eyes of the Lord. And by the way, if you take the Judea kings and you write down all the things that he did that was right, you know, it's pretty good. But then he had a son named Manasseh, and then uh, Manasseh's son also did evil before Josiah came upon the scene and he did that which was right. But the reality is, is that just because we do right doesn't stay the hand of God in any way. Read with me, if you will, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. We're going to read the first 14 verses together. And I want us to read beginning at verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up, and grew it together with, uh, grew it together with him and with his children, and he did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveller unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, and of his own herd, and to dress it for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. And he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. For David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had done no and he had no pity. And Nathan said to Daniel, or to excuse me, and Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Then saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and has slain with the sword of the children of Ammon. 
Now wherefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give him to thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives, and in the sight of his son. Thus, for thus thou didst it secretly, but I will do such things before all Israel, and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit because of this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Let us pray. Lord, I want to thank you again for the mercies that you show upon us and, and help us, dear Father, today to know the goodness that you bring. I know, Father, that in everything that we see from the Word of God, that there's many times that we would love to be able to repeat just one aspect of our lives, that there would be a change, that we would do those things which would be right and holy in thy sight. But many times, Lord, we realize we have no abilities to change the past. What we have done, we have done. But, Lord, we have every opportunity to affect our future. And Lord, I pray now that we will look to you and guide us, Lord, to understand the truth that is written from thy word. We know that the things that we've done, Father, are a part of our past. And we acknowledge them, we confess them before thy throne, and Lord, we ask for forgiveness. But help us to walk faithfully before you from this point forward in our lives, whether we have one day, multiple days, or however long you might give us a that we may be faithful in all things. So guide us and bless us and help us to understand the things that are written for us in Christ we pray. And amen. As I began to write down this message, a couple things came to my mind. I wish that I could change aspects of my life. I mean, I am blessed that I have a wonderful family. I have four wonderful sons. I have wonderful daughter-in-laws. I have, you know, many children. I have uh, 11 grandkids. That's, that's something to be said. You know, reality is that whenever we have a celebration, I will pass out a dollar and say, you guys figure out how it needs to be divided. But the reality is, is that when we take a look at our celebrations and when we take a look at our families, we like to point to a time to where we can say, boy, if I could just go back and do that again. How many of us have ever gotten into our lives, maybe not so much in this congregation, maybe others, but we turn around and we can say, if I had it to do over again. Now the reality is, is that when we read the Word of God, we can take one or two choices with us. We can either read it for what it says in the punishment, or we can find an excuse for our sins. And the reality is, is that many times when we begin to read, we find reason for us to have an excuse for our wrongdoings. The reality is, is I don't know how many of you know this, but as one, one of the things that I do whenever I read the Word of God through like I've been doing, I'll jot notes ahead, you know, as a reference back. Believe it or not, when David said that this man shall pay back fourfold, he was referring back to Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, to where the reality is, is that we find the responsibility that if anyone does harm by taking an animal, or that one animal is killed, that there's going to be a replacement four times over again. 
However, even more so, David had been marred with this great cover-up. Now, we oftentimes think that because of our particular convictions in our studies, we almost allow God to be criticized for what we normally do is wrong. I remember many years ago when I uh, sat through the ordination, that one of the questions was about the, uh, the, the longevity of God, the foreknowledge of God. God knows everything about me. He knows everything that is there. I have no qualm about believing that. But do you realize that even though I know to do right, and when I do wrong, I allow those criticisms upon myself, not upon God Almighty. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's go to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 2, we begin to see verse 17. And I want you to look very closely at what it says in Genesis 2, 17. And it says, Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Now, every one of us agree that this was God's right to put this tree in the garden, it was God's right to, to grow it because, after all, it was God's tree. And everything about it, I mean, they could enjoy the shade of it, they could enjoy every aspect of it, but they could not eat of the fruit of it. And notice how they got When you eat of this tree, for in the day thou shalt surely die. Now, understand this. Adam didn't understand death. He didn't understand it. He, he, had never, he had never seen death. But he had the opportunity to believe the word of God unto his wife Eve. Now, here's the reality. I The greatest thing that I do every, every time in my life is to understand the forgiveness of God. I have done many atrocious things in my life. I know that. But the reality is, my sins are... Let's go to the book of Romans. Let's turn over there real quick, and I want to make sure that you see this as well. In the book of Romans, chapter 3, and verse 23, we find this wonderful message in regards to how that we know about our sins and what we commit. It says, For all that you committed sin, then guess what? Everything against the law of God, you committed sin. Now, understand this. From the very beginning, Adam only had one sin that he had to deal with. And that was the commandment of God that you shall not eat of this tree, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Don't eat of this tree. What did Adam do? He turned around and he added to it. And how do we know that he added to it? In chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, we also read the same aspect where he said, don't even go near it, don't even touch it. Imagine he kind of gave that over to Eve, but Eve was enticed and she went because she was suddenly approached by the serpent. But notice again, in verse 23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I know and the reality is, is that I need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Go back to chapter 6. And in chapter 6, I want us to go down to also verse 23, and we find another 
message in regards to the wages of sin. Notice it's one sin. One sin. For the wages of sin. Now, I've thought about this, and you know, when I talk about the wages, you know, what is my sin bringing into me? First of all, there is a breaking of the Ten Commandments everywhere we turn around. Now think about that for a moment. Every one of us have broken the commandments of God wherein we can read out clearly we have forsaken the Lord's day, we have forsaken our God, we have, we have committed adultery, we have done all these things as far as sin goes. But the reality is, if we break one, we break them all. Now think about that for a moment. For the wages of sin is death. Every one of us here today are on a slow march towards death. How many of us agree with that? I look every day in the mirror and I think, man, where did all those wrinkles come from? There was a lady, she goes, I am 60, she said to me the other day, yesterday, she said, I'm 67 years of age, okay? How old are you? I said, I'm 68. Can you cook? I can, and I'm very happy with my cooking. Right then and there, I think she was hitting on me. I'll just leave it at that. Reality is, is that in this world which we live in, we find so many people that they are thankful that they lived as long as they've lived. I've not lived to be 70. I've not lived to be 80. I've not lived to be 90. Do you realize that there are people that do live into their 100s, but they live such a feeble life? The reality is, is that we hope that we live long upon this earth, but we don't want the feebleness of life. I remember one time I was called Hoary Head. And I thought, how dare you? And this was by another young preacher. I went, man, alive, you know, I'm not that old. He said, you're a lot older than I am. I went, okay. And, and he's one of my best friends. Reality is, is that as I am allowed to live upon this earth, I have a lot to account for. Do you realize that every day that I get to read the Word of God, I'm given a special account for what I do with the Word of God? It would be better for me to be ignorant of God's Word and God's judgment than to know His Word and ignore it. Now think about it. But even ignorance is no excuse in the sight of God. Pretty interesting, isn't it? When I think about the wages of sin is death, I am so glad that this verse continues on. But the gift of God is eternal life. You may not see it, but there is a day appointed to where I'm going to be like Barb. I'm going to pass from this life. The many attributes or the many things that the, the wonderful conversations that we had on crew which lifted up Barb and said, man, she was such a testimony. She was such a help. Those things come because the reality is is we live our lives amongst each other, but we also live our lives in such a way that we bring honor to God. Now, whenever I'm committing sin, I don't bring honor to God. But the reality is, is that the more that I want to serve Him, the more that I become more like Him, the more that I understand the truth of who God is. 
He has determined that I am going to be redeemed. And he's not finished with me yet. Every sin that comes in my life is a redefinement of who I am. But notice this. My eternal... chapter 12. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we find that David has been given the decree that he is going to pay back for And Nathan looks at David and he goes, you're the man, David. In verse 7 it says, thou How many of you all know that David begged that Michael would be restored unto him? How many of you know that? David's wife, Michael, was restored unto him. But then when he brought him. I don't know. But he understood it. And because of that, David felt this great relief. But then Bathsheba announced, I'm with child. Let me just tell you this. Nothing is more difficult for anyone in our day and age which we live in to find out that there's a child that is on the way of an unmet, unwed mother and father. Even though it's a shame, we go, it, it bothers me that these things occur. Now, I'm, again, I'm not judging. Please understand, I'm not trying to bring any judgment upon anyone. But it is a heartache because we understand that we want to have a better perfection. But David did everything in his power to try to cover up sin. Lie? Yeah. Commit the death of Uriah? Yeah. He did all of these things. And the reality is, is that when Uriah had died, he took he wasted no time in bringing Bathsheba 
into his chamber as the wedded wife. No one else. Not the other men that had died. No one else but Bathsheba. And when Bathsheba came into the house, she became like his wife. And pretty much David thought, I got away with it. How many of us have ever thought that our sins will never find us out, even though the scripture says, make sure your sins find you out? You know, how many of us have given account for every sin we've committed? How many of us will forward. And here's the reality is, in verse 10 it says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me. Do we really despise me? There's no way to commit sins. Not me. I don't want to do that. And sometimes God has to humble us before he can use us again. Now think about that. Now the reality is, is that I've been forgiven. But written before us in all of God's word is every sin that David has ever committed. What about us? We may not want to understand this, but if I'm going to be the man of God, the woman of God, anyone that is of, of God... We need to say, Lord, help me to be more like unto thee. Look at verse 13. And David said to Nathan, I have sinned. He didn't blame God. Do you know deserving of every one of my sins to be put to death immediately. Just like Adam and Eve. It just seems like such a small thing to eat of the fruit. But God had given that law to Adam and said, Don't says coats of skins were made. And the reality is, and I'll just drop my glasses, the reality is is that David understood the consequences of it. And, and here's where Nathan says, but you're not going to die, but your child, the first child, between you and Bathsheba is going to pass. Those words no sooner left the lips of the prophet than word came to David, your child is sick and dying. 
How would we handle that? I've been blessed. Yeah, my, my, my kids are not perfect. They'll be the first ones to tell you that. They're not perfect. But you know, the reality is is that they've done everything in their power to try to be right. Not Haley, leave your bed alone. But you know, the reality is is that no matter how much that we try to do what's right, when we face the consequences, and please understand this, sometimes the consequences that come in our lives are not because of sins we've committed, but because of the natural way we have to face them. And when I have to face those consequences, and we all face them, then the first question is, how will I spend my time? Bear with me. Not long ago, in my own family, there was a devastating loss. And we held the baby. I never got to see the baby. I never got to see my, my nephew. But we're not strangers to death, are we? Whenever we face death, we, we go, how can these be? And I can almost hear the reassuring word of God that says, do you love me? Do you really love me? You know, it's almost like Peter. As long as my kids are healthy, I love you. As long as my children are okay, I love you. He didn't give me that opportunity. Through the hardship, through the difficulty, David went into his upper chamber because the word came to him that his baby was going to die. And what did he do in that time frame? He was on his face. God, don't let it happen. I don't think I'm strong enough. I don't think I can handle this, Lord. I, I, I don't. And yet, the reassuring word of Christ is always with us. My grace will see you through. My grace is sufficient for you. But I can't handle it, Lord. Yes, you can. You trust me. I failed in that. I have failed in that. When my own father passed away, and I loved Dad, he could be a very a stern man. He could have his own ways about him, but I loved Dad. And I remember falling on my face, saying, "Lord, I don't know that I can do it." This was on a Sunday morning, right before I was supposed to preach. And those words, my grace will get you through. It taught me a lesson. My grace. And David was on his face seven straight days. I don't know that any of us have ever prayed seven straight days. Not eating, not drinking, not taking any nourishment whatsoever. And then 
he heard the and then he heard the murmurs. Look what it says in verse 18. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we would hearken unto our voice, how will he then vex himself if we tell him the child is dead? You know what's amazing? David had done his work. David got up. He washed himself, cleaned himself up. Food was set before him and his ditty. And the servants could not understand this. Why are you doing this now? And clearly, this shows relationship. I cannot change the past, but I can embrace the future. This is the thing I want you to get. I cannot change the past. That which is done is done. My Lord, whom I Not temporary, forever and ever. And I love these words by David. In verse 22 it says, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell? Maybe God. Let me tell you something, folks. It is written down when my demise on this earth shall be embraced. When I'm going to pass on. Don't weep for me because I go to a greater place. And when I stand before the throne of God, all I want to hear is, come on home, Mike. You've done your job. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Do you realize that from this moment on, I don't want to sin. And, and in fact, my boss told me, he said, you are the most blatantly honest individual. I said, that's because I make too many mistakes. I know the mistakes I've made. And David understood the child died because of the consequences of his life. Oh, that I had not fallen with Bathsheba. All that I had not done wrong, but I did. And now, because of my faith in Christ, I shall live. And yet, more is coming. You want to read something amazing? Go read about Amnon. Go read about Absalom. And, and you know, the reality is, I don't think Absalom was saved. You say, well, why would you say that, Brother Prater? Because... David did not weep over Amnon. He, didn't, he fasted and prayed for this child. But he was a broken man when it came to Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Just as Jesus would cry over all Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, you who have killed the prophets. The reality is, it could be better. I can't change the past, but I can embrace what Christ has for me to do. In verse 23, But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? I can't change the past. 
I cannot make a difference in the past, but I can embrace the future. Here's the embracing. Look at this. If you don't believe me that there's an embracing, look what it says. Can I bring it back? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. We are all hurting. Every one of us understands the effects of the hurt. But the reality is, is that I embrace what Christ has for me. I'll live for him who died for me. Think about that. How wonderful my life shall be. I'll live for him who died for me my Savior and my God. That's what I want. I'll live for Him. And Lord, forgive me of my sins. And you know what's wonderful? According to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our unrighteousness. Unrighteousness comes by sin. And in its place, He replaces it with righteousness. All the flesh has its desires. But the joy of Christ is ever with us when we embrace Christ. I can't change the past, but I can embrace the future. What about you? I wrote down, and I very seldom ever put conclusions down on paper, but I did today. The difference between now and then. I wonder how many of us if we, we truly embrace the cause of Christ, we would make a change in our life. I cannot change the past, but I can embrace what Christ has for me from here on through. Let me ask you, ask you this. Is there sins in your life that you've not confessed? I'm not your confessor. Aren't you glad I'm not your confessor? Because I'm nothing more than flesh and blood as well, but we have a holy confessor that we can go to directly and say, Lord, I want to be the man of God that you would have for me to be. Help me to embrace what you have for me today. Lord, again, I want to thank you for this opportunity that you had for me to stand before the congregation. Bless the message as it was presented today, Father. May it have found place in every heart and soul and mind and guide and watch over us in Christ, our precious Savior, we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, if you'll come forward.